Welcome, y'all, to the Direct Examination <laughs> Podcast. My name is Joseph Bias. And I'm Dane Phillips. Guys, we're so happy that you are joining us for this episode. If you're listening to us, remember to give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Buzzsprout, wherever you're listening to this. Go ahead and pause it. Give us a five-star rating. We certainly appreciate it. As you know, as lawyers, people don't usually say nice things about us. So if you could do that, I, we'd certainly appreciate it. I've said it before. We're shallow. <laughs> you know, please, we're pandering. Give us give us praise. <laughs> give, give us outside validation <laughs> that what we do is great. Uh, Dane, how are you? I'm doing amazing. How are you? I'm doing well. I had the opportunity this weekend to judge the... South Carolina Middle School Mock Trial Competition. We've done Mock Trial on the show. Y'all know how much it means to me. Um, so it was great to see the young The future competition? Um, I was a little intimidated uh, by <laughs> some throats. of them. I decided to, you know, be proactive. I tripped some young kids <laughs> so that they know, you know, to uh, make sure to watch out for me in the future. Um, I, you know, shot a lot of dirty looks. It was great. Started telling about medical school. <laughs> That's right. I started handing out, uh, you know, North Carolina <laughs> bar applications like no 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 just cross the border you're a little too good you can never start too early (laughs) well today we have nothing but illustrious guests um this is this guest is up there for us today this is without a doubt this is our power 50 (laughs) as far as you know if we had to do a short list this is one we've wanted to have for a long time we're extremely excited uh, and so our esteemed guest today is none other than Beverly Carroll. She is the current South Carolina Bar President and former South Carolina Bar Foundation President. Uh, she's consistently been an active member of the Bar as a former representative on both the Board of Governors and the House of Delegates. Uh, she is a business law and employment litigation attorney at Morton and Geddes in Rock Hill, Notably, she is a certified. She is certified by our South Carolina Supreme Court as a specialist in employment and labor law, and as a civil court mediator. That is another specialist that we have on this show that we bring to you for free. <laughs> <laughs> and again, to only name a few of her many accolades, she has received the Distinguished Lawyer Award, the Key to the City of Rock Hill. I mean, what other shows got people that have keys to the city? We really need to talk to somebody. We need a key. I want a key to this office, basically. Okay, can we? We'll work on that. We, we, we'll go from we there. We make it happen. All right. South Carolina Lawyers Hall of Fame, the Complete Lawyer Platinum Award, Mecklenburg Times Most Influential Women, and multiple service awards. We are extremely excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Miss Carol, let's start a little bit as far as your background. Obviously, we have... Almost all lawyers on this podcast, not all of them decide to go and be in the uh, House of Delegates, to be in the Board of Governors, and eventually to be bar president. There had to have been something at some point where you said, I want to serve in that capacity. What was it for you? Well, for me, um, and, and people have heard this before, I I worked at a law firm in Rock Hill called Roddy Carpenter and White, and Bob Carpenter was... Uh, one of the senior lawyers there, and Bob had been president of the South Carolina Bar Association 1972 before I ever started practicing. So he was a bar person. Um, my understanding is when they used to have their bar meetings in a motel, small motels, <laughs> because the numbers just weren't that large. But he was always uh, emphasized uh, how much 
he enjoyed bar work. But Bob's primary interest, to, and, and I've learned that uh, as I've been in this job, is the people you get to meet. Mm-hmm. And so he always encouraged it, and I paid attention, thank goodness. And So that was the spark that lit the fire for the service with the bar? Sure, yeah. I mean, Bob was a former bar president, was well thought of in the state. He didn't know a stranger in the state. You would go with him. We were trial attorneys doing insurance defense work at that time. Everybody knew Bob. He was a great person to be around. And, um, yeah, he was a great example to follow in that. So for our listeners who either aren't lawyers or members of the South Carolina Bar, we do have them as far as Canada and Saudi Arabia and Spain. And we're worldwide. Yeah, I mean, I not to brag. I could understand that. <laughs> I could. So what are the obligations, responsibilities that you have as the uh, current South Carolina Bar President? Well, you know, nobody had ever asked me that. So I thought to give you the correct answer, I would actually go see what the bylaws said <laughs> today. <laughs> and it says that my job is to preside at all meetings of the assembly and the board, and I shall appoint the chairs and members of all committees, boards, task force. You'll love this. He shall be the official Ooh, spokesman got, for the board. We got to make some changes. And shall have general charge and supervision of its affairs subject to the authority of the House of Delegates and Board of Governors. I'm glad wow, I wrote that. Wow, that had made me <laughs> yeah. really sound. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I wrote that question because now when that's changed, we can say that yeah, our podcast is right. right. the catalyst for change. We are making policy. <laughs> we're making changes. And really what we do is we draft behind greatness. And that's, right. that's, that's kind of what we do the best. Yes. Don't, yeah. tell, don't tell the secret. <laughs> right. That's the secret sauce here. So uh, one of the things that kind of in trying to come up with you know, the heart of, you know, the interview was obviously through your many years of service and being the bar president, you, obviously we have the bylaws answer, but what's the real answer at the heart of it? You know, what's the, the real responsibilities that you've taken on that you that you knew ahead of time what you were getting yourself into because of having served for so many years? You know, what what is the not only day to day, but, you know, the the overall. Yeah, why do it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, not not to sound trite about it, but it is, you know, it's a great opportunity to be in a profession where you can have an impact on your profession. I mean, if you have a job somewhere, nobody's asking you how, what you want to see that profession be and become and how it's represented. So just the opportunity for any lawyer, I think, to be involved in the bar means that you can have a voice in what the bar is doing. We had an opportunity to solicit some questions from the rank-and-file members of the bar in South Carolina. Um, And these, I'd say, all of these would probably skew younger just because those are the folks that happen to um, contact us. And as, To follow your Facebook page. Well, <laughs> your Facebook, page. Facebook and text message and whatever else. Now, I will also note that for another few months, I am still a young lawyer. So, as a young lawyer's perspective, when are we cut off? It's thirty six. Is it? Yeah, Ooh. that's right. It's thirty six, right? I think. Uh, yeah, or years of serve. You know, of years of practicing. If you happen to start later in a, your life to be okay. a lawyer, so so yeah, this old, this old man sitting across. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, so one of the questions that we have was uh, as far as protecting the reputation of the profession. And we have seen some lawyers in 
you know, the news throughout, not just recently, but throughout, you know, my time of being in the uh, profession of, you know, bad actors or, you know, embarrassing situations. And there's definitely a idea of we want to make sure everyone knows about not necessarily these bad actors, but, you know, what we do good for the community. Is there a way that we can better protect the reputation of being a lawyer than what we're doing now? And I know that's a very holistic question. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I, I think if we're talking about what the bar can do is that, that we, it, you know, it, it, in fact, we have a mission statement is our role as far as the bar is concerned is to help lawyers be great lawyers. And sure. so the things that we can do is to provide them training. Um, we can provide them um, avenues, as I said, when they have opinions, whether it's, you know, people who serve on a practice procedure committee so they can have an input into the things that, that affect their practice and their clients when they're practicing. Um, we also, you know, uh, try to make sure that we're f- uh, focused on people who are doing the typical lawyer things, you know, people that um, are in-house, you know, sure. their roles are a little bit differently. So we try to provide an avenue. Um, I, You know, I think that the disciplinary action, I, I think it's, it's robust, and I've heard people be critical that it's not, um, you know, that the that lawyers are not being... Um, disciplined in this state. I think that's untrue. Okay. Uh, it, it, it By its very nature, it has to remain confidential because there are complaints, from what I understand, that have no basis. And right. if you start making that all public, you have ruined people's reputation. So I think that the disciplinary counsel's office does a good job of dealing with people. Uh, there are also ways that, gosh, I, I, I know some, you know, there are, I'm sure, Stories I know several of them where people realize that lawyers may be in trouble or headed that direction. Colleagues do a lot in this state to help one another. So, um, you know, I, I think what we can do is each one of us do the best we can. And and the truth is, like everybody, you get some lawyer jokes, but I I really believe that a lot of people do have respect for lawyers. You spread the word to listen to the direct examination podcast. <laughs> That's exactly so you can what get they the need real to do. heart of the South Carolina lawyer. Well, That's right. I, I I think that's a great point in that you know I don't know any profession where the you know obviously the bad apples in any profession will be police officer, doctor, whatever else. Are Every profession get has good and bad. Sure, um, but I I do like the fact that. We at least have a. I, I like your the mission statement to become great lawyers, and um, you know whether it be the lawyer, lawyers helping lawyers program or just colleagues helping each other unofficially. I, I think that's it could definitely yield and continue to yield positive results. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the questions that was written on here is actually something that I've wanted to ask, and it was one of the things I was going to bring up already. Uh, and you and I talked on the phone the other day. We said about. You know, the fact that now the South Carolina Bar Magazine did a whole issue on wellness. And there's been a big shift in focus on wellness, especially considering finally there's a, a lot of awareness on mental health and the stress and pressures and overwhelming of just uh, being a lawyer in today's uh, society and email and everything that goes with it. What do you see as the biggest challenge for the attorneys of the South Carolina Bar or 
maybe flipped another way. What's the biggest challenge for you as president, you know, in, in trying to navigate the needs like you were just talking about of all of these attorneys? Well, I mean, because we have lots of attorneys doing lots of different things in this state and practicing in different kinds of communities. You, you have, you know, the big three cities, and then you have a, a good number of attorneys in smaller areas. Well, big four now. Rock well, Hill. that's right. Yeah. I just told you know, Rock Hill is the big town. Um, but, um, and, and we have lawyers practicing, you know, in, in the public defenders, solicitors. We have in-house lawyers. We have lawyers who are not lawyering. They may be involved in business. They're doing business things. You know, if there's a challenge, but it's not, I don't find it, um, uh, you know, unpleasant challenges. How can we best serve as our lawyers, whatever they may be doing? And we have different degrees of things we can do. For instance, those that work in public defenders and solicitor's office, you know, they have great organizations that do a lot of CLEs for them. We can do some things. You know, there is the Association of Justice and the South Carolina Defense Trial. Those are great organizations that provide things. So we look for the things in the bar for, for groups like that. But it also has to do with lawyers in small towns, lawyers in large towns, lawyers um, doing a variety of different things. That's the challenge, but that's the interesting thing about the lawyers. We have lawyers doing lots of different things. And that's one of the questions that we, we also received is, how does the bar, uh, what are they doing to try to seek to provide those type of services to the rural, smaller counties who feel sometimes kind of left out? Sure, sure. And and I will tell you that I remember when I went um uh, on my second term on the Board of Governors to start this rotation up to where the spot now, uh, I felt the same way about Rock Hill that we got left out, even though, as I told you, population-wise, but we were just, you know, it didn't really factor in a lot of things, so I kind of felt that way. Uh, several of our bar presidents so way back have been doing, we, we tried to do meetings in those, but we have made a real concerted effort this year. We went to Orangeburg about a month ago. We went to Sumter two weeks ago. Uh, We're scheduling about five different smaller counties and inviting people in surrounding counties to join them. Uh, For early next year, the first uh, four or five months of that year, we're going to go out. And part of that is just getting to meet these lawyers um, and uh, you know, to talk with them to see if there are concerns. Uh, we've had a great, great re- uh, response and attendance, mm-hmm. and um, people are, uh, we'll say, if there's something that bothers them. But, um, you know, my, my sense is lawyers aren't shy if something really bothers them. So they, they probably <laughs> told somebody before G- they generally told me. Generally not a character trait. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that, while it was just kind of, point of mind when we were on the phone the other day you said we are maybe one bar class from a way of hitting 17,000 lawyers yeah I I should have looked at that number because we talked about it the other day it's 16,000 plus and I think I heard the other day that the class that will be sworn in next week is 309 people Mm -hmm. being sworn in some something like that so you know we're we're getting up there in that number, um, and um, but still a relatively small bar compared to 
Yeah. North Carolina. I mean, where they have seven, like seven law schools in North Carolina. Oh, sure, you know. sure. We have two law schools, and um, you know, and of course, with with the UBE, with people being able to now go to different states, these last three classes that have taken the unified bar exam can be a little bit more mobile too. In their first three years, they have three years to apply to other bars, or them to ap- apply to South Carolina. So we got a question about that actually, and it's something that I've been curious about. Have we noticed now that we do have the UBE, and maybe this isn't as a result of your position as um, bar president, but maybe mm-hmm. just as an experienced lawyer, are we training young lawyers the best way now to practice in South Carolina since the bar exam doesn't teach South Carolina topics? Does that you understand what I'm saying? Like, are we? Is there a? I guess there's a concern that. If you're not taking the South Carolina-specific parts of the bar, are you prepared to be a lawyer in South Carolina? Well, I, I you know, I, I have sat on the law school alumni council at the University of South Carolina, but um, I, I think that the view of the law schools is that they want to teach a lot of things to provide the core information and that... Um, you know, I don't know that they're teaching to South Carolina. Um, but, you know, in South Carolina, though, they have to go online and do 11 courses. Right, the course of study. Yeah, think. course of study. Yeah. They have to go on and, and do a course of study. You know, I don't know. But I, I just think that with the mobility, I mean, we're always talking about mobility, that the UBE, when the court decided to go that way, um, it made sense to them and, you know, it is what it is. And the reality is the real learning happens after the bar. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's a hazing event. <laughs> it, it literally is. It, that's my, I've always been my, it's, it's a paddling of sorts to say, you're now one of the club. You've, you've been hazed. You've made it through boot camp. I, I think it's one of those things to totally not get myself in trouble the way you did. I can say that. Yeah, I don't you care. can say it. <laughs> um, I think if I had, if I was redesigning the bar, and we, in fact, I've said this on the podcast. Take all the classes you want your first two years and your third year is internships and Needs to be. In clinics and stuff like that. Um, I'm of the opinion that if you trust the accreditation process, there's no need for a bar. You could just make it harder to get into a law school. But anyway, that's that's for that's for another yeah. another topic. And this is coming from somebody who like barely made it out of law school. But you know, <laughs> South I've heard a lot of people say that they would love to see that third year of law school be kind of in a residency or an internship, and a hundred and ten percent. What is the member benefit? And this is another question that we receive that the South Carolina bar offers that is not used as much as it should. I, I will tell you the first one that comes to mind is Fast Case. Okay. Tell uh, us about it, Fast Case because I don't know what that is. Okay. Well, <laughs> so there then you, then go. you need to know if, if you're paying a Westlaw contract or one of those Lexus, Nexus, or whatever it is, uh, you, you don't need to be doing that. Fast Case is, is provided to, by the South Carolina bar. To all our members is a research tool. Uh, I think it is as good as Westlaw. For the last five years, I've used nothing else than that. Could be blasphemous. Some people would. (laughs) I I know that, and I'm sure there might be a Westlaw person that might be thinking about that. And to think about the podcast, we can Well, you know, and I know they're doing it in law school, and they get hooked on the Westlaw. But it's it's a service that every lawyer gets to use it. Well, I got a question now. So I haven't 
I think I went on there once just to see what it was like comparable mm-hmm. to Lexus and Westlaw. Does, our bar membership back then didn't include the shepherdization. Like, and that's a that's kind of a scary thought that you pull up a case and then be like, I have the case and it's been, you know. Well, they, they don't call reversed. it shepherdized. If you're yeah, talking right, about whether it's been yeah. reversed or there are other cases, they, that is available on Fast Case. And the truth is you can go online. You can get training on that. If you're not comfortable in it, they have a live chat feature. Okay. I mean, I sound like I'm selling for them, <laughs> but um, and I have met the representative at Com. But that's a free service that the bar is right. paying well, that fee for every member. It's a big deal because it kind of goes to our last point of, you know, the education of, you know, uh, say the bar exam of all these young lawyers that we talked mm-hmm. about before we started recording mm-hmm. who are now hanging a shingle and we have a lot of concerns and that's a whole nother podcast. But you have a lot of young lawyers and small law firms who the budgets, it's, you know, the budgets are small. And so they're you know, using fast case if they're not already could be a game changer as far as saving money every month. Sure. If you're a solo or a small firm and want that electronic, and I mean, I, I use Westlaw for years. That's, this is no not. This is just a benefit, though, however, that the bar, and I think now fast case is available in about 24 or 5 states. And I, I happened to hear the guy speak one time saying that the whole idea was to equalize the ability to have access to research for the smallest people who couldn't afford those kinds of contracts. Sure. So I think that's a great benefit that people need to be. There There's some resources, you know, uh, the PMAP program, the practice management, you know, we have a, a, a an attorney who actually advises in that area. Um, there are, you know, um, ethics opinions. You can get some guidance. So that um, there are a lot of benefits that members can take. A, take, and, and in fact, we we have just formed a task force to kind of look at the issue of benefits. You know, for instance, you get certain mounts off on certain contracts right. with some technology groups. We're trying to look. I've used now the car rental one myself. Yeah, sure. <laughs> really, you know. Um, gym memberships, but it's also about some of the technology. But we're going to bring it all in and make sure that we're getting the best for our members, and then try to expand what those benefits are. And to for the wellness part, I know in a previous episode we found out that we get five free hours of counseling through our five bar. Free five sessions, five free sessions. sessions okay. of EAP. And I, and I would and, and funny you said that because that was going to be the second one. I think we talked a little before um, we went on live here about that that's another thing that that is available for lawyers to do it. It we don't keep track of that. The bar is not keeping names on that. This is a service the bar is paying for it. It's all anonymous. But it can be for anything that's bothering lawyers, you know, whether it doesn't have to be a substance abuse. It could be I'm having a trouble, tough time in practice right now. I'm not getting the business. Um, we contract with the service. The bar pays for all of it um, for five uh, count, free counseling sessions. That's, that needs to be utilized more. What can we do to increase diversity in the leadership positions at the bar? I mean, it's funny, as you're sitting here, we're reading the bar rules where it's (laughs) antiquated and says, you know, it says he. Um, What can we do to increase diversity there? I will tell you that that the nominating process, I think, has tried to be very conscious of diversity. Part of it is finding people who will participate. I'm going to tell you that, that 
that is, uh, you know, uh, honestly a, a concern to find um, diverse people of diversity who are willing. And I think that what happens a lot of times is those people get pulled in so many directions. Um, you know, William Witherspoon and I've had this conversation and, and other people have. But I will tell you what we did. You know, our, our Board of Governors meets in, in February of every year and does a strategic plan for that year. And the president-elect, so that would have been the time I did it. Uh, Dawes Cook was the president and appointed an ad hoc diversity committee. And that group issued a report about a month ago. And uh, it's now been presented to, there is a diversity committee in the bar. And it's to develop a five-year plan. And that is one of the issues, is how can the bar, meaning the professional staff, how can the leadership how can we plan to become more diverse and how can we get more diversity in people who are coming or applying to law school? I mean, that that hasn't grown. I know like the law school wants it to. One of the things that um, someone pointed out to me, not even related to this, just on a separate conversation is diversity in even the CLE speakers that we have where you have, you know, essentially when you're still educating lawyers to have a, you know, a face that looks like you to as a measure of authority uh, it means a lot. If, you know, and I don't know the numbers, but as a, you know, minority male, and it seems like I'm seeing less and less young lawyers or young minority males go into law. It means a lot more to me to, and like you said, being pulled to, okay, well, I want to make sure that I can be a resource. I can be somebody who uh, somebody can look at. And I can understand how it would be daunting for somebody. So hopefully, you know, folks who are listening to this can, you know, raise your hand and say, hey, maybe I can be a member of the I, bar leadership. Maybe I, I can so. be on the, and, and, you know, full disclosure, I just got added to the House of Delegates. I, I was about to say, I, I just nominated you for like five, five different committees. So. <laughs> and, well, yeah, and, and I obviously way, have a I lot of free time. I nominate you for any committee. So tell me what you, I, I, I think, tell me I think what you just signed up. I'm, I'm, I, no free time for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will be really happy with that. <laughs> um, no, I, I, it's it's obviously something that means something to me. This was Well, you have a, a, a story that you shared on a prior uh, podcast of what it meant when you were you were a, when you were a young kid. Yeah, and- when when I was growing up, the only guy or minority males that I saw wearing suits were in church, and I had a teacher when I was in eighth grade um, who was wearing a suit every day. It was a black male wearing a suit, and I was like, man, he looks sharp, and I think I want to be a teacher. Well, he's the one who introduced me to mock trial, be a lawyer. It's like, well, wait a second. They get to wear suits all the time. Maybe I'll do that. And literally, that's why I started wanting to be a lawyer, because they look sharp and wear suits. Now, And as you sit here, you have a sweater vest. Though. I do have a sweater vest, so I've migrated. I've, I've prog- progressed from wearing a suit to wearing the more luxurious uh, version of that being the sweater vest. Uh, comf- comfort in, he has in this whatnot. whole thing about wearing sweater vests on Wednesdays. 
I mean, I. It's not just me. It's, it's a, a movement. Nice it's a. It's a movement. Thank you. It's I would just like. I would really, just like for you. You look really handsome. Thank you, and I would like to know that this is an official statement by the president of the South Carolina Bar, endorsing sort of S Wednesday. So thank you. Let's move the on move, before my head gets even bigger. The movement is real. I, I take my firm. A couple of guys have white shirt Tuesdays and blue shirt Thursdays. So hey, I'm it's all a movement. About that. It's a movement, and I'm joining them. And at I, some stage. I am. I am here for that, and this is. Already the best part of this podcast. A true, a true man of the people you are. <laughs> so, as we mentioned before, we're, we're getting kind of, Dane and I are getting to the point where we're not going to be considered young lawyers anymore. But we've got... You're going gray and I'm going bald. Hey, so, man, I think that's, know, the, that's, the, that's the real story. <laughs> the question that we got was from a young lawyer who wants to be involved, but is having to be conscious of things like you know, billable hours and having to, you know, be um, be available to a partner. So what would you suggest for a young lawyer that they want to get involved with the bar, but maybe time constraints are an issue? Well, I, I, I mean, I think we all went through that. I mean, I was involved in the bar. I got involved in the bar, but there was a point that I had to focus on my career. That there comes some formidable years there especially if you're a member of a firm where they're expecting certain things from you. And so you step away. But I think you can stay involved in a committee. Um, you know, we have 59 committees, sections, wow. and uh, divisions in the bar. So, you know, that's 59 places, whether, it, you know, everything from practice and procedure to uh, a state to animal law to intellectual property to and then there's the trial section. appellate advocacy yeah i mean there's a solo small firm you know and you can have actually a couple of the, the family law section employment law section so one way and i i know i did this is to stay involved in a section one it helps you develop your skills in an area but it keeps you involved in the bar um you know, again, when you're a young lawyer, Young Lawyers is a great group, and I know that group is really working to try to expand. Again, we're talking about our smaller communities that, that they need to get more active in, um, you know, al- although at least it seems to some that Young Lawyers are staying in the larger cities right now. I think some of them are commuting, and that's a great way to right. do Go get a job in a small community if you, if you want to live in Columbia. Drive out to some and get a good job and get some good experience. So there's a time that you can stay. Huh? Shout, shout out to our co-host. Yeah. You can drive out yeah. to Batesburg. Yeah, that's Leesville. right. Go to Batesburg, Leesville. Huh? I know that. <laughs> my, my, my favorite city in, the, uh, it, um, in South Carolina. It is the greatest. City. <laughs> <laughs> um, last kind of listener question we had was, uh, and maybe this is even more of a suggestion, we have a young lawyers division, we have a senior lawyers division, but this particular listener wanted to know if there was an interest or if the bar could start doing more things for parents. And maybe that goes to the uh, wellness that we're talking about with all the stresses that, you know, Dane has with having a child and our other cohorts just, <laughs> just um, you know, added one herself, mm-hmm. you know, thinks that maybe there's an opportunity there to add a section for lawyer parents or attorney, you know, parents that uh, could maybe help share 
advice and you know coping strategies. I don't know what y'all deal with, but yeah, those things. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the first things I thought about just a second ago when you talked about, you know, there's the point in the career, like you said, you're you're mm-hmm. you, you're all in on that. Well, then you kind of run into the intersection of being a young mother, young father, right. and uh, navigating being husband, wife, or spouse, you know, partner, and there's only so many hours in the day. And so I think that's a great idea of having something to have at least another way to at least either an outlet or a way to bring them into the misery that we, no, <laughs> like if you can bring them in. Right. So, sure. uh, but yeah, no, that's, a, again, like you that, said. that's a, right. Right. You feel what we feel. No, <laughs> sure. uh, but, uh, that that is a great idea. Well, here's, I, I hadn't ever thought about that as something the bar can do, but I, 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 I I'd like to think that we'll listen to anything that anybody proposes. We are looking at a, a, a committee called the Ad Hack Next Gen about that period of time when you age out of YLD and senior lawyer status. I mean, that's sure. 25 years of really, <laughs> sure. you know, of being there. Now, that's when you're growing your practice. But the couple of things that we're hearing that is that people want to know how do they stay involved in the bar. Again, committees is a great way to do it. At mock trial, um, at pro bono work. I mean, there are a variety of different things that people can be involved in. Um, but what our concern or what we're looking at in that group is, um, I've heard consistently that uh, that lawyers at that are not getting some of the guidance they one time when they were in the structure of a law firm of how do you grow business? Okay. You know, how do you improve your skills? And so that ad hoc committee is right now meeting to kind of think of there's things that we can do to provide, you know, is the bar a place that that can happen providing that kind of training of, of, if you're not getting the guidance that you one time were, I mean, I remember when I started practicing, my senior partner would give me work and he wasn't worried about who got credit. Now the structure in some firms is everybody's got to be doing it. So the senior partners aren't giving work to um, younger attorneys and you're having to go out and develop your work. And so that's one of the things we're looking at. Now, whether that about how you deal with families too and, you know, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of women leave the practice of law because they can't keep families and they're having to deal with some kind of structure. Some firms are doing it well, some not so well. Um, but it, those are certainly the realities of how the practice has changed, the practice of law has changed. Right, and I can't imagine, you know, for... so, And I'd love for Amber, when she comes back from attorney leave, to address this of... Uh, you know, right now, while on maternity leave, navigating the fact that she has a, a thriving uh, domestic practice, you know, at, at a firm that has a lot of clients having to, to, to work with that. I mean, I know, and thankfully, she's got that support system at, at that firm. And but the everybody re- doesn't. And, and the resources, but that's right. And actually, generally, most do not. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I think it said that uh, six, and this is a national figure. That about sixty percent of law firms or lawyers are they're small firms, either one to two lawyers. So so a little over sixty percent are one to two lawyer firms, and they wouldn't have the resources to have somebody. You know, you wouldn't be able to pay the bills uh, and be able to cover for that amount of time. So that's certainly one of the things that mm-hmm. is is a big issue. Mm-hmm. Well, we are 
excited that you've joined us today. But unfortunately, we do have to treat you like everybody else who we have. At the end of all of our episodes, we ask our guests for their best war story. Now, that story can be something that, you know, you would tell at a bar, that you would, you know, tell your family. You know, it could be something humorous or poignant or something, uh, maybe something you would tell a, a CLE group of people, whoever. We asked you for your best war story. What oh would it be? I, I, I asked Dane about this. Is really, could I think of one? You know, the I'll tell you, and it's not my story, but it's still one of my favorites. That's stories. okay. We'll accept it. Yeah, it's not my story. Um, Bob Carpenter that I mentioned at the outset, who was my partner, was a contemporary of, of Judge Perry's. Okay. And um, Bob told the story that he and Judge Perry were kind of on the same circuit, if you will, Bob, I think, represented the Municipal Association. So when people got arrested for sitting in in restaurants or being on sidewalks and and would be arrested for trespassing, Judge Perry would come in and represent those individuals through the NAACP, and then Bob would be having to prosecute them. And my favorite story, and he and, and Judge Perry, and I was in several trials where Judge Perry presided, would always tell this story to one another like they just had never heard it before. <laughs> no. But Bob said that, and it was then, it was, so we're talking about the, the early 60s, five, six white men, that was the jury, no women, uh, no minorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Bob was standing in front of the jury uh, box and Judge Perry came and grabbed his hand and then put his second hand on it in that friendship. And, Mr. Carpenter, it's so wonderful to see you here. And these six white jurors are sitting there looking, what is going on here? <laughs> and and I think Bob, and, and, and so did the guy get convicted? Yes, he did. He, the, whoever was trespassing, he got convicted. But Bob's point in telling that story, and Judge Perry just delighted in it too, was that Judge Perry was... Uh, understood the issue of change, it, that perceptions would change slowly. Right. And that this hand grasping and and, uh, and and Bob said, I tried everything in the world to pull away from him <laughs> and Judge Perry had me by my wrist. Right. And I wasn't trying to, I didn't want to do anything that really caused a big scene, right. but I kept saying, <laughs> let go of my hand, let go of my hand. And, uh, and I love that story and because, one, I love both of them. I love both those guys. Right. But uh, it was just good lawyering. Mm-hmm. He knew how to play what he needed to do with Judge Perry needed to do. Bob did what he had to do. He was polite, but tried to keep his distance a sure. little bit. And and those two just love to tell that story. And I probably <laughs> heard them tell that story several times to one another. Uh, whenever amazing. we'd have a, a something with him, it was right. just so. That's my war story, and I think about that's it often. Word. About those clever two. lawyer, yeah, that's a clever great lawyer. Word. Always be closing. Right? <laughs> that's right. Well, again. Um, Bev, we really appreciate you uh, joining us. If you have heard about some of the programs and initiatives that we've mentioned today, you can always find more information at scbar.org. If you are interested in following uh, our guests on social media, it's at BevCarolSC. We are thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're listening to us and you don't already, again, give us a five-star review and you can always follow us at SC Law Pod on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow me at Joseph PBS. You can follow Dane 
at SC Crim Lawyer. And you can follow uh, Mama Fomer at <laughs> Red Judicata. So for Dane, our wonderful producer, Brendy, and our missing uh, co-host, uh, Amber, thank you so much for listening to the Direct Examination Podcast, and we'll see you next week. The state of the bar is alive and well. <laughs> That's right. Thank you for listening. Thank you.